solo and group clinicians alike are buzzing about Therapy Notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals. With live customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and an extensive feature library, Therapy Notes is sure to streamline your workflow, giving you time to care more and worry less. Try them for two months free using promo code MODERN today. Are you looking for ways to attract and retain private pay clients? Thryzer is a payment platform for therapists built to help clients automatically tap into their out-of-network benefits and save on therapy up front. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back, Modern Therapists. This is the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Vernoy, and this is the podcast that looks at all aspects of a therapist's life and you do us a favor wherever you're listening if you wouldn't mind stopping by and leaving us a rating and a review and if you're not already a subscriber please subscribe it definitely helps us out and we've had a few therapists reach out to us recently to talk about the therapist process in grief especially when we lose clients and just kind of this very surreal world that develops around either expected loss, unexpected loss. And we turn to one of our longtime friends, Debbie Frankel. She's an MFT in Calabasas, California. She was actually one of my professors when I was back in grad school. So she's had a, quite, a, quite a long history with me as well. But she is one of the go-to experts when it comes to grief and loss. And we're very proud to have her today. So sit back, listen unpack your grief case oh oh grief case (laughs) (laughs) welcome debbie we're so glad to have you here thank you for being here so the first question that we ask everyone is who are you and what are you putting out in the world i started this grief center i started this counseling center with my husband actually we met in a psych hospital by the way we both had keys (laughs) <laughs> and um, that's a good clarification. Good clarification. Yeah, yeah both that keys. I worked the day shift. He worked the evening shift. We still kind of, you know, 30 years later, still have kind of the same hours. <laughs> but coming out of grad school, we both really wanted to do private practice. And then my mom died after like being diagnosed in two weeks, she was gone. And so it turned my whole life upside down. And I started seeing grief all over the place. And so really, I wanted to be able to start, wanted to be able to include in our center, you know, grief, because, because grief comes in our office all the time. And it's a matter of whether we're recognizing or not. And if we're not, I really think that we're doing them, we're doing our clients a disservice. I will say many, many years ago, I had a woman who came up to me and said, oh, you know, you might want to take that grief word out of the title of your center, because, you know, that's going to scare people away. (laughs) Oh, dear. Oh, no. Uh, Probably true, but also probably very telling that. Right. Yes. uh, Yes. This is what you're focused on. This is the work that you're doing. And when people are in grief, that's, it's not scary. Yeah. That word, that word is resonant. And that word is bringing the people that need to see you. Yeah. So then 
I actually, for the last many, many years, have been doing trainings for therapists because I really want to be able to help give them resources and information and support to be able to do this work. So that's what I try to do in the world. When the worst happens, when a client dies by suicide, Mm -hmm. how do you recommend that therapists handle that? Because I imagine that there's all sorts of processes that come up, whether it's Mm -hmm. a completely unexpected out of the blue versus somebody who's chronically suicidal. So can you kind of walk us through what your experience is in therapists dealing with client suicide? First of all, it's scary as shit. <laughs> and it, it just is. It's yeah. Just, it's frightening, yeah. Okay. Because the first thing we think is, oh my God, I'm going to lose my license. Okay. Mm. Oh man, I'm going to get sued. I'm in trouble. Okay. So ground yourself. Uh, I will say if you are in like a group practice, make sure you contact the owner of the practice right away. So you yeah. can give them a heads up. Same thing. Or if you have a supervisor, supervisor right? Supervisor. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I would also say, you know, write a detailed note down summarizing your work with the client. Um, and there's a couple of reasons why you want to do this. You know, re- write down your treatment plan, even if you've written it before, and how you were informed of the death, too. And usually, that's we usually are going to center on our last session with them. Because of the helplessness, because we are automatically kind of going to, oh my gosh, wait a minute, wait a minute, what, what happened? Did I miss something? Okay. And review your notes. I didn't say change your notes. I said review your notes. Okay. Um, <laughs> good point. Very right, good right. Just review your notes so that you can get a little more grounded and, and contact a trusted colleague because that's really, really, really important. I will say is that I had a client who, uh, who died by suicide and she had canceled her appointment. The notification I got was I won't be coming in today. And, and I didn't, I had texted back of, okay, let me know when you want to reschedule and are you okay? I got no response. About a couple of weeks later, I hadn't heard from her and I actually was talking to her physician who had referred her about something completely different. And he said, oh, well, you know, she killed herself, right? I was like, what? Wow. And so it is really shocking. Yeah. But I will also tell you, it actually happens more often than we are educated about or that we know. And we certainly happens more than we talk about. We don't talk about it very much. But I'm going to say, you know, doing that initial writing is really important because the whole world just got completely turned upside down for you as a clinician. Okay. It is, it goes against everything that, that we work for is that we are invested in hope. We are invested in, in their future and being able to help heal them. So it really throws us for a loop. So with the consultation with a colleague, what are the, what are the things that you're suggesting people explore? Because I, I totally understand writing, documenting, and it sounds like the documentation really is to kind of ground yourself in the treatment, to really make sure that you're, you've, you've kind of laid it all out, and then how you were notified, that kind of stuff. But, but in reaching out to a colleague, I could imagine it would feel very isolating. And, and unless it's someone that you is like a friend or, or whatever, it, it could potentially be more or less helpful. 
Yes. So in a console is that I would, I would actually, and so this is going to be really scary, but, <laughs> but prepare to contact the family. You also want to make sure to offer your compassion and that contact does not mean that you are guilty. Okay. Um, okay. Because we automatically, you know, want to go, oh, you know, I can't contact them or, you know, for legal reasons. And it's like often actually not contacting them pisses them off more. Okay. okay. Because they want to know that their loved one mattered to you. Okay. Because they are also, you know, thinking of all the stuff that they wish that they could have done differently, which is what we're doing. Yeah. Okay? We're, we're going through oh my gosh, what did I say? What did they say? Okay. That's why I really, really, I always recommend do some writing, especially initially. Okay. So that you can start grounding yourself. Early communication with the family actually really significantly reduces that agitation and blaming by the family. What are the confidentiality issues with contacting the family? If I've got a client who's an adult and I've had no contact with the family, I am most likely not going to contact them. However, if I've had contact with the family, I am going to. Got it. When and if you do, this is the opportunity for you to express genuine sorrow. It is not about you taking the blame, and it's also not about you. And that's, that's why it's really important to make sure that you've got somebody that you go to for your own heart so that you can be grounded in talking to the family. Yeah. Okay. And it's really, you know, it is really frightening because we go through, you know, all the reactions of there are, there's been a few studies that have been done about uh, clinicians who have had clients uh, suicide, by the way, psychiatrists, 50% of psychiatrists have had a client die by suicide, which makes a lot of sense because there's, they're seeing clients with a higher severity. Mm -hmm. um, but one in five psychologists have had a client die from suicide within their whole entire career. And I'm not sure if it's a little bit less for us therapists. I'm not sure. Because, again, we don't talk about it a whole lot. There's a lot of shame. There's a lot of self-doubt, a lot of self-criticism. You know, th there's also this sense of betrayal that how could they do that to us, which is actually very sneaky because that's where our grandiosity comes in. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's where our grandiosity comes in of, but I was going to be the one that was going to, was going to be able to help them through this. I was going to be able to be the one that was going to, you know, get them to the point where they weren't suicidal anymore. I want to go back and talk about the family piece again real quick is I know for the people who've reached out to me recently and in general with my practice working with adolescents that a lot of times in finding out about the suicide is probably going to come from family members too. Yes. Yes. Is that any different than how you've already outlined it as far as kind of a things to consider or way, uh, ways of reacting? You know what? That's a really good question. If it's coming from the family, is it can be really heartbreaking to hear a mom be screaming on the phone that her child just died. Mm -hmm. Make sure that you ground yourself as much as possible and remember 
that at that in that moment, and this is really, really hard because because as much as we say, oh, it's expected, it's been somebody who's been chronically suicidal, it's never expected. We no. we still think, no, it's not gonna happen. Okay. So it still becomes the shock. Uh, but in dealing with family is listen to what it is that they need to tell you. Okay. And remember if they are screaming, if they're mad, they're scared, they're really overwhelmed. Their whole life just completely turned upside down. I also recommend if possible, go to the funeral. Okay. Now this has actually been an issue for a lot of therapists of, do I go to the funeral? Do I not go to the funeral? Where do I stay? You know, where do I go? I've been to clients' funerals and it kind of, it all depends on my relationship with the family. If they don't know me, I've had therapists who have said, you know, it was really, really helpful that they, that they and their team decided they really needed to go because we become grievers. And that's what's really, really important to remember is we want to skip over that part. We want to go, no, we're not grievers. It's like, yes, we are. We have a relationship with this client, with the family, through the client, you know, and our heart breaks for them too. And for us. Therapy Notes not only combines billing, scheduling, and notes into one easy to use software, they now also offer group telehealth, up to 15 clients in a group session at a time and secure messaging features. And with their 24-7 customer service, they're ready to assist you no matter where your practice takes you. Therapy Notes allows you to do it all. Whether you're a solo clinician or part of a group practice, you'll have all the tools for success at your fingertips with Therapy Notes. Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free. And this is really something that's come up in the conversations that I've had recently with Mm -hmm. therapists is that therapy is not a one-way street, that it really is something that impacts us. And I can think of several of my long-term clients that I've gotten as much out of the relationship as they have. Mm -hmm. And really knowing this as being okay to go and celebrate somebody's mm-hmm. life and in the funeral being okay. in I'm assuming yeah. most situations, I'm sure that there's somewhere if the family's really upset with the therapist. Yeah. This is really resonating with the yeah. conversations that I've been having too. You know, the, the one time I didn't go to a memorial service that the family had invited me is because it was going to be at the client's home and it was going to be small and it was only going to be extended family. And I have to say, I, it was uncomfortable for me because I'm like, oh yeah, you know what? Actually, I've heard about all these people. (laughs) 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 And, and my, my concern was who wanted to talk to me to, you know, attempt to set the record straight, so to speak. And so I declined and ended up sending a a note instead to the, the two sons so. Yeah, I think that's so important that we become grievers and also that we're human mm-hmm. beings that are getting something out of these relationships. The thing yeah. that I really am thinking about is is kind of stepping back to getting the information from a family member that maybe you've heard you, you've heard about or know or there's been contact going to the funeral. I feel like there's just so many places where our humanity could come up and potentially either be harmful 
uh, for the family or harmful for the profession if we don't really pay attention and take care of ourselves. Um, I mean, it almost speaks to like, as therapists, we just never answer the phone so that we can, you know, kind of call back and wise mind or whatever. But I think it's, it's something where, to me, knowing how to I mean, I guess we 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 do understand and and know that we need to take care of ourselves, and and we oftentimes have a lot of skills. But as as you've talked about, most therapists are are not even very comfortable with the word grief, much less actually dealing with their own grief. What what would you suggest as this kind of isolated grief as a therapist, and also just kind of the the way that you take care of yourself in this process? Because it it is something that a lot of people don't share. It is something that almost feels shameful, which is ridiculous. But I think it, you know, the, you know, talking to our egos was so so poignant. But what what should we be considering? Because it it is a it's a, it's grief, and there's some similarities to grieving for someone who is in our own family. But it's also very different because it is as a therapist, and there is that relationship that is mm-hmm. unique. So. Yeah. I'll stop talking and let you talk now. <laughs> you know what? Um, I, I'll give you an example. I was, I had a, a gentleman I was working with who had AIDS and I was volunteering at, uh, with APLA and I, he had gotten more and more as he was declining. He couldn't, you know, drive over to my office anymore because, because he couldn't see. And I was like, you cannot drive the Canyon because you can't see anymore. I will come to you. <laughs> that probably and, smart. Probably smart. Yes, yes. So I had an opportunity to be able to meet with his whole family frequently in that setting. And they called me when he went to the hospital to die. And they asked me if I could please come in and be with them. Now, I don't think that I would have done that had I not had the losses and experience that I've had and had I not done frankly a shitload of grief work beforehand okay because that just would have scared me and it would have I and they would have felt it okay and so I was there when he died with them and was able to you know talk to them about here you know say you know what else do you want to say but but my point is when I left the hospital and I had a client back here at the office and I was going to be a little late. And so this is before cell phones. I actually stopped at a seven 11 at a little pay phone. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it was on victory <laughs> yeah. and called Mark and said, I was going to tell him, Hey, I just want to let you know, I'm going to be a little late. Can you tell my next client? But that's not what came out, came out of my mouth. What came out was, John died. <laughs> mm. And in that instance, I realized, oh, holy shit, I'm a griever. Okay. Yeah. Because I had a relationship with him. You know, as much as we say, oh, no, you know, we don't have a relationship. Yes, we do. And, you know, our tool, our main tool in working, in, in doing this work is coming from our heart and soul and connecting in that way. It doesn't mean that we have to tell them everything about us, but that we are checking, you know, I'm checking. If I'm with somebody who's really ramped up, I'm going to start feeling on the ramped up. Okay. Pay attention to that. We know that that's, you know, the kind of the art of therapy, you know, and there's an art in listening and, and paying attention to the grief and acknowledging our own grief because we can use that to be able to help other people. 
you know, to help the people that come to see us. Does the type of grief change depending on the type of client that you're working with or the situation of their death? Because I, my, my very first placement was working in a methadone clinic. So a really high risk population, uh, a lot of gang members who were engaging in, you know, very high risk lifestyles. And so when I did have a, a client die in that situation, it felt different than I would imagine a suicide client, a child client who dies from a sudden accident, a ongoing medical sort of broadening this out from, I guess, just suicide is, is there different types of grief for therapists? Well, when we look at disenfranchised grief, I also hear it. Sometimes we use the term disc, you know, um, discounted grief is disenfranchised grief, especially if the client has died from something that was preventable or that they caused, so to speak. We have a, we have a different reaction to it, but it's still grief. It's a, we might be mad at them. You know, I like to think of, I got to remember with grief, I, 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 what's the unfinished business that is always left is either a regret or our regrets of all the stuff that we wish we had done differently. Some of our resentments of what we wish the other person had done differently. And also the remembrances of acknowledging the good stuff. And so, so we're going to have different reactions because we have different relationships with them. So our grief is going to look different, but grief is really, you know, Katie, you, you use the word, you know, isolation because grief is all about isolation and we don't do that well for each other as therapists either is that we go, well, you know what? It just takes time and just keep busy. It's like, no, that's it here. This is really, this was a relationship that we want to be able to honor. Okay. Um, so I'm not sure if that answered your question or not. Well, I wanted to to further the question because I, I feel like I am, I'm one of those folks that I run from grief. So that's why Kurt keeps bringing people on to help me learn about grief. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You, you use the term disenfranchised grief, and I imagine there's a lot of, you know, and, and we had uh, Jill Johnson Young on who talked about kind of traumatic loss, and, and there's a lot of, you know, a lot of things that, that are very different. So maybe you could tell us the different types of grief so that we can, and then kind of how they would impact a therapist versus kind of the people out in the world that are, it's like, it's a friend, it's a family member, but for us as a therapist, there's the relationship is just so unique because we know so much about them and, and are connected in such a deep way, but don't necessarily have a right to the, the other aspects of it in their, in their lives, but we, but we still feel it. So, right, right. so, okay, so I, I will restate. Yeah. What are the different types of grief and, and how do those impact therapists? So, so I'll say that there's a whole bunch of different types of losses and we have different grief reactions to them. So I'll give an example of just recently, I had a therapist who said you know, she was really having a hard time. It's a colleague and we were talking in the hall and she goes, oh man, so I just heard this client who their dog, their dog just died. And, and for this therapist, she had a really, really hard, she, and she was very aware, said it really was exhausting because she was really trying 
to ground herself and listen and be connected, but she was very distracted inside because she, she has this very adorable dog that she's completely, totally in love with. And, um, and so it really threw her. Um, but I love that she's really aware of that and is paying attention, but I don't think that we always are. Mm-hmm. And we bring that unconsciously. So there's so many different types of losses. It might be somebody, you know, that comes in who's had a relative die and it hits our own grief. You know, we don't feel their feelings, but man, we know it touches our own buttons. Okay. So, you know, some, a lot of clients ask me, or a lot of uh, therapists ask me, so is it, you know, I feel really bad. I don't want to do grief. I don't want to, you know, address grief because I might cry. You know what? Actually, if you get a little teary, a little welled up, that's okay. Don't wipe that away. That just, you know, it touches our hearts. Now, if you had a gusher inside and you know, oh man, I'm really having a hard time, you know, keeping myself present, then we know, okay, you know what? This hit some stuff that you're really heard about or preoccupied or unfinished about. So I think we always have to be checking in with ourselves of what losses do we have? You know, we talk about a grief and loss expert. I really, really, really want to switch it around and say, we're, I'm a loss and grief expert. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> the loss happened first. And there's so many different types of losses. Um, and so as therapists, you know, if I am much more cognizant and can help other therapists be more cognizant of, look at all the different losses that you've gone through, you bring that with you. And if you haven't made peace with that, it will alter how, what you hear. And then we become more invested that they have to have a certain outcome based on what we're not finished. You know, I'll give you a really, really great, I'll give you a really good example. It's totally true. I had been seeing this psychologist. It was after, after my mom died. And he used to tell me, well, you know, it just takes time. Do you have to go through all those stupid stages? And I bought it for a little while. And then I didn't. And my brother died. And I had been back East taking care of him for several months beforehand. And so I come back and my first session back with him. And I was, I was with him for a long, long time. I loved him. He was a wonderful man. He was really, really talented. But my brother had just died and I was in a bucket of tears and I come up for a little air and he says to me something that he'd never done before. He looked because Deb, I have to go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. And I thought, okay, you know what? I get it. I drink tea all day long. I, I understand. I'm like, you know, in the bathroom, like every hour between sessions. But when he came back, he said, so, you know, you haven't really talked about uh, work. How's that going? Oh, no. Now, being, uh, trying to be cooperative. <laughs> <laughs> we like being good clients, right? Yep. I said, oh, you know, it's okay. Da, 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 da. I stood over that the whole week and came back to him. It's actually the last time that I saw him. And, um, and I wasn't mad. I was really disappointed. But I came to him, and at that point, by that time, I'd gotten uh, more training in grief, 
I had a whole history timeline of my own losses and brought them into him to see, to show it. He was like, Oh my, Oh my God. Oh my, Oh my God. I was like, this is a man that I saw t- for 10 years. Okay. Who was a wonderful psychologist, a wonderful therapist, but he just hadn't, he didn't have some tools to be able to guide me. And so I said to him, I so appreciate you, but you keep steering me away from doing this work. And I love that he said to me, I am so sorry. I had no idea. Thank you for telling me. Okay. And that, that truly is why I do far, far, far more trainings for therapists is because I think we inadvertently steer them away. And we don't mean to. Okay? We just don't, we don't know what to say. We don't know what to ask. It's like, okay, now what do I do? What? Well, you know, I asked and they've kind of talked about it. It's like, we have to do more than help them tell the story. We have to help them with what do you do about the feelings about the story that we're, that we're still stuck on, that our clients are still stuck on and that we get stuck on. Thrizer is a payment platform designed for out-of-network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thrizer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate up front. From the client's perspective, Thrizer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thrizer manages the claims end-to-end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thrizer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thrizer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf. They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thrizer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. As I'm listening to you and I'm thinking of managing a caseload of other clients when you have a client who dies for whatever reason, as you're going through that grief, as you're probably in that environment where you found out the news about, about the client, mm-hmm. you know, I, I know that this is not putting on, you know, to other clients, what exactly has happened, but there's also a level of authenticity that I'm, I'm sure needs to come up. That's mm-hmm. part of the process. What kind of advice do you have for the rest of your caseload? <laughs> I say, uh, you can tell the truth, but you don't have to give details. Okay. Um, in fact, I had a client who actually is a therapist and one of my best friend had died earlier that day. And, um, I had been over there she had been a long illness and I was just heartbroken. And this therapist had, had texted me of, hi, it was just, you know, I, I really like to be able to do a check-in. Are you available? I thought, you know what, if I call her, <laughs> she is going to hear my, I really don't give a shit about anything right now voice. Mm. She's going to get that tone. And I knew she was going to. Okay. And I didn't want to put that on her. And so I, I texted her back and I said, I'm so sorry. I'm not available. I have had a death in my circle and, and I'll see you on Monday. 
And I, I kind of was like, mm-hmm, okay, I'm not sure how she's going to take that or not. You know, she came in the next week and said, thank you. Thank you. You didn't have to give me any details. You know, I didn't give her any details. I just, she said, that was really good modeling for me that I don't have to save the world all the time, that we, I can be a, a griever, you know? And it's like, yes, you know what? We're grievers. And I know this comes up a lot on Facebook groups for therapists of, you know, I've had a loss. What do I tell my clients? You know, you don't have to tell them a whole lot of details, but you can say, you know what? I've had a significant loss in my life and, um, and I need to take a little time. That's really good modeling. Okay. Or we may, or I may say, you know what? I'm a little off today. Okay. I just, you know, I'm a little overwhelmed. I've got some other stuff going on. So if you see me smirk or, you know, give you a weird look, it might not be from what you said. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it might be that I'm a little slow on the uptake because after we've experienced a really significant loss, we have a really hard time concentrating. We have a hard time paying attention. I say, I call the syndrome, you know, my give a damn is broken syndrome. (laughs) I have a really hard time, you know, with really you're complaining that, you know, your kid didn't, you know, shut off the phone when they were supposed to, right? So, you know, I'm going to have a harder time during that time. I want to make sure that I acknowledge that to myself and I can acknowledge it to them without telling them my give a damn is broken. I really don't give a shit about what you're talking about right now. One other situation that I'm aware of that has come up with a a colleague in our community recently is a lot of therapists have therapy dogs who Mm -hmm. see multiple clients across, Mm -hmm. across their practice. And I know Pet loss is an entire whole other episode that we could be doing. But when when the the therapy dog mm-hmm. passes, that there's not only the grief that the therapist is going through, but every single client who's coming through the office is mm-hmm. needing to process through that too. There's there's probably a couple of questions in here. One is just in you know being able to simultaneously go through that grief. Mm-hmm. But also just, you know, after a week, 20, 30 sessions of going through this, of just, is there the potential of burning out on this and not being able to really do clients the justice towards the end of the, the caseload that might come up with other clients? We bring our pets to the office um, and have for many, many years. And when I know that one of our pets is dying, is that it gives me an opportunity. And, you know, if I'm working with kids, I always want to make sure that I check in with the parent, okay, before they flip out um, to say, you know, uh, Floyd isn't doing well and and he is dying. And would you like to say goodbye? Okay. And so, again, that can be like a whole other session. But we do want to pay attention to their to our clients' reactions. And often they actually, the ironic part is often they feel really honored that you've given them a heads up, okay? Because then we can also help educate them of how they're gonna deal with their kids when the dog or the cat or the pet dies, okay? So I think that's one piece. Okay, so here's the other piece which I think I heard in your, at the end of your question was, you know, 
I've been working with grievers for 25 years. I love doing this work. <laughs> mm-hmm. I do because I get to, I get to see people get their, their feet back on the ground. I get to, to be able to see them get their hope back. So I'm going to, I'll share with you guys what I say at the end of every first session with a new griever. Actually, what I say to them in the very beginning is, I know it totally sucks that you had to come see me. (sighs) And they're like, oh, you know, oh, actually it really does. I know it's okay. I don't take it personally. What I do say at the end is I know that you may not have any hope right now and you don't have to. But I've been doing this for a really long time, and I get to see people be able to reground themselves. So I'm going to hold the hope for you. Now, over the years, I have had people later on come back and say, you know, when you told me about you were going to hold the hope, I really needed to hear that. I didn't even know I needed to hear that, but that was really helpful. And so that's one piece. And I think the other piece is, you know, I, I truthfully tell my clients, you know what? I'm not going to ask you to do anything that I have not done myself. And frankly, frankly, I tend to say the fuck word a lot when I have to do it myself. I say, I hate doing this work myself because it hurts and we don't want to be in pain and we want to avoid it. And it totally sucks. But I know if I don't do this work myself, I can't help you very well. I think the thing that I'm really taking away from our conversation today is just really as therapists, we have to recognize our own humanity. We have to make sure that we've grounded ourselves Mm -hmm. in our own work, but also in in our professionalism Mm -hmm. that's laced within our humanity and, and getting ourselves to a place where if our clients die by suicide, by other means, that we have to really make sure that in the process that we're thoughtful that we're consulting Mm -hmm. and that we're also making sure that we're honoring ourselves in that process, whether the grief is with our clients or or with others in our life. I, I so appreciate this conversation, Debbie. Thank you so much for, for coming on today. My honor. Where can people find more about you and your practice and trainings? Um, You go to um, my website for therapists, privatepracticegrief.com. And I also have a Facebook group, uh, that I is just for therapists and people in the mental health field, and uh, it's called Private Practice Grief, and and then I do monthly trainings, and so I have that on my website. You'll see. Thank you very much for having me here because I think both of you are are such a gift to so many clients, but are such an incredible gift to the mental health field. And so, oh, thank you. And we will include links to Debbie's website and things in our show notes. You can find those at mtsgpodcast.com. And while you're over there, check out our Therapy Reimagined conference that's coming up here in just a couple of weeks, October 18th and 19th, here in the Universal City neighborhood of Los Angeles, right across the street from Universal Studios. We've got a couple of days and super happy to be partnered up with Simple Practice. They're taking care of all of the CEs for us, including Debbie Frankel's talk. We are so excited that she's joining us there and we'd love to have you come out to LA and join us. And until next time, I'm Kurt Woodhelm with Katie Vernoy and Debbie Frankel. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. 
thanks to our partner, Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, use promo code MODERN for two free months. Remember to check out Thryzer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code modern therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions.